0: I got Emacs pinky but it wasn't from Emacs it was from World of Warcraft because they I mean every uh, character has like 20 spells and my fingers can only reach 1 through 6 so I've got to add modifier keys mm-hmm. to get there shift was natural and then control was a little tougher but also fairly natural eventually uh you start to feel the strain in your pinky
1: yeah because Mine's not super strong, so I'm just not cut out for this.
0: That's the thing, right? Like, and that's that's how Emacs does everything. They everything is control or alt. It something. is.
1: It is. Yep, very much so.
0: Or like a combination. Actually, mostly it's a combination of the two. Usually. So, like, we make fun of vi all the time about like how hard it is to quit.
1: Exit. Yeah, exit. You have to Con- do two, two, two keystrokes twice.
0: Yeah. So what? It's Control X, Control, control C, C, or Control C and Control X? Yeah,
1: I forget now too. But I, I, it, it's it's two keys. You know, it's two keys. Yeah. Twice. Coming up in this episode, we've got some network failures. Got some gaming wins. We get Emacs Pinky and a little browser watch and we get a little bit uh, manipulative hello and welcome to season 3 episode 7 of linux user space i'm dan
0: i'm leo dan ho. Hey. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, little power outage, hey.
1: Um, yeah. So, like, I had a little one of those power outages that was like a uh, half on, half off sort of uh and it kept you know kind of coming on and off, kind of. Oh,
0: brownouts. Brownout, not, not quite gone, but not. Oh.
1: Well, anyway, it caused a corruption on my PF Sense box. Um, mm. on the drive, it's you know like like when I got home, like my wife was railing about the fact that the lady cylinders in the house um were were not able to turn off all the lights because all of the lights in the house were on and uh she wanted to turn them off.
0: Everybody tiptoes around it, but but I'm not gonna do it. Alexa, what is Emacs? There. There you go. I mm. hope I hope that is a good introduction to the episode.
1: Abs- <laughs> absolutely when that's done (laughs) no so that was a problem uh because you know the the network didn't come back after the the little outage um and so i had no idea what was going on with my router i couldn't connect to it obviously um so i had to rip the monitor that is right here in front of me right now off of my computer and take it into the living room where the router is and hook it up i hit the power button on again and it uh, starts to boot up and i'm like "Ooh, cool and it does a disk check and it says disk looks okay i'm like yes and so then it just reboots and then it just keeps doing that over and over and over again so, so the so, disk
0: is fine but the data
1: mm. the data some something happened to it, not sure, probably the on and off and on and off was enough to cause some corruption obviously that's so.
0: it that's it. Brownouts um, are worse than blackouts i mm-hmm. i I assume just simply because i've I've had plenty of those and we never talked about them on the show really, but um one of the episodes that we had to record, maybe it was like episode four yeah uh, we had to postpone because I just didn't have any power like yeah. like almost the whole day just didn't have it right. so um, and I think those are better, right? Because, you know, as far yeah. as power cut, there's no yeah. weird you, you can
1: run around f- and unplug things so they don't get into that weird state when right. it comes you back, Right. Don't, you don't too. end
0: up with not enough or too much voltage. It's just mm-hmm. no voltage. Yeah. So, mm,
1: ooh. This oof. was a very sudden thing. There was a storm in the area, which is kind of unusual for this time of year. But, like, it was the right conditions, very damp, very, you know, thunder, lightning, all that good stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Wait, so would you say it stole... Your thunder?
1: Yeah, it did. Wow. <laughs> Stole my internet thunder anyway. So obviously at this point I've got to reinstall, you know, the whole the whole system. And I do have backups. Like that's not a not a thing that I don't have. However, I did not have a current um OS. Like, so uh, like I didn't have a thumb drive with the PF Sense like on it. Maybe I should do that. Anyway, so I, I I connect my laptop into the modem, download. You know, I'm like bare internet at this point on my laptop. Yeah, turn turn <laughs> on
0: that turn on that operating system level firewall at this point. I uh, had folks. I <laughs> have
1: UFW on it because I do take it out in the public. Nice. Right? So I have UFW. I'm good there. Um. So I'm downloading pfSense on the onto the thumb drive, and then I got to go load it into the system, which doesn't take a real long time, but. It's all starting to add up. Like, I mean, the clock is ticking here and uh, uh-huh. I'm already into the evening and and dinner time and past dinner time and, and all of that at this point. And so I get that on there and then I can do the restore from my backup, which that goes pretty smooth. But like, yeah, all- you
0: just upload the little tiny text file and it's like, hey, cool. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, It's an like-
1: XML file and it does all its thing. And then. Lo and behold, the internet's back. So everybody's, mm. everybody's happy at that point. We can start streaming, you know, all of the video services and the the the, the lady can turn the lights on and off and all of that good stuff. And so, she
0: can define what Emacs is now.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, you know, give us the weather for tomorrow so that we know if more thunderstorms and stuff are coming. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, But, like, you add all of that time up and it was a couple of hours probably. Yeah. And uh, at least a few hours. And, you know, backups are great, but they don't come back in an instant. The time to recovery is it it is what it is. But it's it's something to think about when you, you decide to self host or host anything, you know, for your job. It's it has to be considered.
0: Well, I I think about that, too, right? Like, you know, what would somebody do if their router that Mm -hmm. is not self-hosted is just a off-the-shelf thing? It's the same thing.
1: Yeah. You have
0: to go to the store and buy a whole new one. I think in in your case, it was actually a benefit to have Mm self-hosted because nothing actually went wrong. But how easy is it to go reinstall corrupted data on a like little ARM box Netgear or something or other? You would have way more pain in that situation than you would have had you been self-hosting like you do. So, I mean, hey
1: Like, I was ready for it. So that was good. Um, but, yeah, no, it still took time. Like, it, yeah. it's still not instant. And unless you have, you know, two internet connections and high availability and all of that. Man, then, I wish. Yeah, I mean, most people at home don't have that. So, I mean, unless you had that, then it's not, you know, it's not going to be an instant.
0: Yeah, so now that you have all the internet back, you mm-hmm. can download some games again.
1: Mm-hmm, and I've been playing some games on my Steam Deck, so that's that was another reason. Like, this ate into my game time, which really, that probably irritated me more than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I've been playing Splitgate, uh, which is a- Okay. It's a, it's, it's a game. You can get it on Steam. Uh, okay. I'll have a link in the let show me, let me
0: Yeah, let me look at this. Oh, um, very
1: positive. So very positive, Deck uh-huh. Verified. Um, works great on Linux. Works great on you know other operating systems too. Um, it's a, it's a fun game. So it's a multiplayer first play you know first person shooter. But um, you've got let, the, let's
0: check. Let, we got we got Splitgate is a free to play fast paced yeah. multiplayer shooter that features player controlled portals. Yes, that's the sci-fi that's takes the, the, the FPS cool genre to a new dimension with its portal mechanics. So portals as in like Portal Portal the game Portal
1: portals. I guess so. Like, so you've got these, um, I guess you call it like a glass. It looks like a glass sort of thing, you know, like a frosted glass. And so you can direct where you want your portal to come out and where you want it to start and they're all throughout the whole maps. And then so you can just kind of like teleport from one zone to the other zone in the same okay. map. But the other cool thing that you can do is you can just look into the portal. And like you can kind of hunt your opponents. Tactical portals. And you can shoot through the portals. And, uh, you know, and but they can shoot you back too. But, I mean, they don't right. see you. Um unless you come through the portal, so right good. that's
0: it's... if they 're smart enough,
1: yeah right, and so they got you know deathmatch and capture the flag and all of that stuff right so it's it's pretty fun and it's great on the deck it's great on the deck it's probably one of the best games i've got going on on the deck honestly
0: that's one of the things uh i don 't have a deck,
1: so but you can you can play this on Linux, you can totally play this on your desktop, my son plays it plays it on his desktop um and uh he he says it works quite well there so okay okay well linux first i can i can i can take that if you haven't uh, subscribed on youtube do it now while we have you distracted and don't forget you can watch us live on twitch the day after an episode drops if you like what we're doing on the show you can support us at patreon.com slash linux userspace
0: In 1963, at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Dan Murphy had done it. A text editor and programmed to write other programs that could run on the Digital Equipment Corporation's PDP-1. It was called Tico, the Tape Editor and Corrector. Later on, it would be known as the Text Editor and Corrector. According to Murphy, Punched paper tape was the only medium for the storage of program source on our PDP 1. There was no hard disk, no floppy disk, no magnetic tape, or network. And well, the Tico, at the time, was pretty good at editing text. Tico was developed with extensibility in mind using those same small programs called macros. The programs would search and change text based on what macro was in use. And it was very, very good at searching. This was made necessary as the expensive typewriter or flexo-writer printouts had no line numbers. This meant context was the only way to find and correct mistakes on the storage tape. In 1965, Tico 6, compatible with the PDP-6, brought with it visual editing, headed up by Richard Greenblatt, Jack Holloway, and Stuart Nelson. In 1972, Tico was ported to the PDP-10 by Carl Mickelson with the help of Richard Greenblatt. It had almost 400 macros run by commands that would need to have been memorized or looked up. In 1976, Fred Wright's e-editor out of the AI lab of Stanford University implemented WYSIWYG editing. You saw what was in the file as you typed it. At this time, Richard Stallman took a vacation to Stanford University. He looked at Fred Wright's e-editor and decided that Tico needed it. But soon after returning to MIT, Stallman found that Carl Mickelson had created Control-R, a similar feature to E's WYSIWYG editor. However, it only used five lines of the screen, which made it inefficient. Stallman rewrote the macro to use the entire screen. Another standout feature of E was that it could also write anywhere to the file, as opposed to Tico's sequential editing. But instead of copying E's ability to put a file on disk in a way that allows for random reads and random writes, Stallman's effort simply read the entire file and any edits into a single buffer. As impressive as these features, command sets, and macros were, they weren't the only sets floating around. The Tico hacker environment was getting a little cluttered. TAC-MAC. TMAX, Rmod, Doc, and Macros all did amazing things, but gradually it happened. Guy Steele called it a Tower of Babel effect. One hacker sitting at another hacker's terminal would spend most of their initial time figuring out what macros were bound to what functions. It was time to bring things back together again. Guy Steele began the process, and after dealing with Richard Stallman looking over his shoulder, he asked him to help tackle the problem. Steele said, I did the first 0.001% of the implementation, and Stallman did the rest. Once finished, it was named Emacs by Stallman, short for Editing Macros. The macros part of the name was natural, but the E was chosen simply because the incompatible time-sharing operating system at the time didn't have many programs starting with E. Wanting to keep things open, but also wanting to avoid the Tower of Babel effect, Stallman added a line to the source code of Emacs. You were free to modify and redistribute the code only on the condition that you gave back any extensions made. The acceptance of these terms meant that you were joining the Emacs Commune. There were many Emacs before Stallman and Steele's version. In 1976, Ein, which stands for Ein is not Emacs, by Dan Weinreb. And in 78, Multics Emacs, by Bernie Greenberg, written in Maclisp. And ZY, which stands for Zwei was Ein initially, by Dan Weinreb and Mike McMahon. But one version of Emacs, Gosling Emacs for Unix by James Gosling, also called Gosmax or Gmax, released in 1981, changed the course. Stallman claims that he had gotten permission to reuse the code from Gosling's Emacs as initially, Gosling permitted unrestricted redistribution to those that helped, which led him to reuse some of the code. In 1983, Stallman had taken on another challenge, the GNU project. GNU stands for GNUs, not Unix. It's a free software collaborative project which was meant to give users unprecedented freedom over code that runs on their computer. You can run the GNU software, copy it, distribute it, read the source code, modify it. Thus, Stallman's Emacs became GNU Emacs, and the free software movement was started. In 1985, on March 20th, GNU Emacs 13 was released as its first public showing. The next month, on April 10th, Emacs 15.10 was released, but not long after, a company called Unipress that had begun to distribute and sell Gosling's Emacs on Unix and VMS back in 83 said that Stallman never received the unrestricted redistribution promise and should cease distribution of GNU Emacs immediately. Stallman couldn't find the email from Gosling that mentioned his rights to redistribute, and that gave Unipress the upper hand. So Stallman set about rewriting any and all Gosmax code. In a more recent interview in 2013 via Slashdot, Richard Stallman said, The last piece of Gosmax code that I replaced was the serial terminal scrolling optimizer. A few pages of Gosling's code, which was preceded by a comment with a skull and crossbones, meaning that it was so hard to understand that it was poison. I had to replace it, but worried that the job would be hard. I found a simpler algorithm and got it to work in a few hours, producing code that was shorter, faster, clearer, and more extensible. Then I made it use the terminal commands to insert or delete multiple lines as a single operation, which made screen updating far more efficient. On July 15th, Emacs 16.56 was released and the final bits of Gosling's code was removed to satisfy Unipress's demand. On September 19th, Emacs 16.60 released with its first patches from the internet. And on October 4th, the Free Software Foundation is born to support 70s hacker culture and the free software movement born of the GNU project. The FSF initially employed developers to write software for the project, which was all licensed under various versions of the GNU public license. December 20th, the first version of Emacs 17, 17 17.36, was released. Initial work on the 18 series began in October of 1986, but it wasn't until March 22nd, more than a year since the first version of the 17 series, that Emacs 18.41 was released and would be the last major release For quite a while. In 1987, Epoch, the self described enhanced GNU Emacs with a better interface, began by Alan Carroll. In 1990, the Association for Computing Machinery granted the Grace Murray Hopper Award to Richard Stallman for pioneering work in the development of the extensible editor Emacs. In 1991, Richard Gabriel of Lucid Inc. had hired several people, including one of the key GNU Emacs developers that Stallman credits for delays in 19's release, to fork and write improvements to GNU Emacs. Stallman claims he was never informed of the fork or improvements until Lucid Inc. wanted to merge the features back into GNU Emacs. Stallman wanted only portions of the code rather than all, and this led to the full release of Lucid Emacs, and left Stallman to implement the missing features into GNU Emacs himself. It was also around this time that Linux hackers took to using the GNU tools, including Emacs, in their own systems. At this point, Linux was arguably more GNU than Linux, which was the impetus for the infamous Stallman quote, I'd just like to interject for a moment. What you're referring to as Linux is, in fact, GNU slash Linux, or as I've recently taken to calling it, GNU plus Linux. Linux is not an operating system unto itself, but rather another free component of a fully functioning GNU system made useful by the GNU core libs, shell utilities and vital system components comprising the full OS as defined by POSIX. In 1992... Under time constraints, and after the development of GNU Emacs 19 was languishing, Richard Gabriel's Lucid Inc. needed version 19 to support their IDE, Energize C. Gabriel led what he thought at the time to be the basis of Emacs 19. But it was a disaster. No longer waiting on the FSF, and $200,000 later, Lucid Emacs, based on an Alpha 19 version of GNU Emacs, was released. In 1994, May 27th, the last version of Lucid Emacs is released and the last bits of Epoch were folded into the project. And on September 13th, Lucid Emacs is no more as Lucid Inc. files for bankruptcy. With the Lucid trademark in legal limbo, the project was renamed to X-Emacs, no relation to X11. On November 1st, And supporting multiple frames in X and hexadecimal editing, GNU Emacs 19.28 is released as the first official release in the 19 series. 1997, September 15th, Emacs 20.1 brought multilingual support. 2001, October 28th, Emacs 21.1 brought terminal color, horizontal scrolling, mouse wheel, sound image, and initial Unicode support. In 2007, June 2nd, Emacs 22.1 brought GTK support, drag and drop, and current at the time macOS support. 2009, January 30th, this is the date of the last official release of X Emacs at 21.4.22. And as far as Emacs goes, X Emacs was number 2, and without Emacs, it leaves only one. June 2nd, Emacs 23.1 brought better font rendering, better unicode support, support for PDF and PostScript files and more. Mac OS updates. 2012, June 10. Emacs 24.1 brought with it GTK3 support, bidirectional input and native color themes support. 2013, June 23rd, a preview release of none other than X Emacs Codenamed Kale, based on 21.5, is released, but not a peep since. 2016, September 17th, Emacs 25.1 brought TLS certificate support, embedding native widgets inside buffers, and electric quote mode. 2018, May 28th, Emacs 26.1 brought double buffering to reduce flickering on X, Google Drive, and 24-bit color support. In 2020, August 10th, Emacs 27.1 brought text shaping with HarfBuzz and image resizing and rotation support without leveraging image magic. 2022, April 4th, Emacs 28.1 brought native compilation of LISP files and emoji support. September 12th, Emacs 28.2, the latest maintenance release, is out as the last. Release before this recording, so outside of that um i had I had really had to trim it down to mm-hmm. what would fit into a tenish minute segment, yeah, but yeah, fair enough, there is a ton that has uh a little bit to do with mm-hmm. emacs history, but a lot to do with general computing right history um stories that. Um, that I think you don't really get outside of um outside of context, right? Like there's um mm-hmm. so there's a story, uh something like real men uh, are quiche eaters or don't eat quiche, something like that. Uh, yeah. historical uh I say historical, it's not that long ago, but right. um there was a a kind of a remix of that. Real programmers don't use Pascal in um a lot of terms that I think got um got thrown around a lot, right? So you had the TRS eighties mm-hmm. that got a nickname of Trash 80s. Trash 80s, yeah. From this particular story mm-hmm. by Ed Post. Um and he has another I guess kind of like segue in this story talking about uh Tico and how oh, it yeah. was a terrible, terrible programming language. But yet it still served as the basis of everything. I mean everything up to and including Emacs, because while it may not be the same language, it's they're still doing the same thing. Right. So, long story short, go read. Real programmers don't use Pascal. You have to put your history hat on because it's mm-hmm. written in. I mean, quite literally, a different time. But it 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 gives you a lot of historical context for a lot of the things that are uh, that I mean you we glossed over in just a oh, yeah, second yeah. or two in uh, in this story. Uh also uh Jamie Zawinski yep. who um is the author uh at jwz.org has a fantastic timeline from TechMac and and Tmax yep uh as i mentioned those macros uh were were gathered together and and kind of uh created to 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 put together the basis of what emacs would become mm-hmm. um mentioned uh ein which is ein is not emacs and then right. its successor zy which is in german right ein one, yeah, zy yeah. um <laughs> and those that that was the succession and there was zemacs which we didn't even talk about um and hemlock early work on epoch uh in Emacs, Mule. There's a ton of stuff that we didn't yeah. really that yeah, we yeah. didn't really touch on that that didn't have a huge impact on what GNU Emacs would become. Well, that's the one but, that
1: survived. So yeah.
0: Right. Um but yet uh I, I think GNU Emacs and X Emacs were really the two yeah, big probably. players besides really pretty much anything that came before right. Stallman's Emacs. And there's also a video, I've got a timestamp in the um in the notes itself, but James Gosling gives an oral history of Gosling's emacs mm-hmm. and there are two sides to the story
1: of, of course of
0: of where Stallman got the idea yeah. the, that that he had the unrestricted license to do everything um so I, i've I've time stamped it uh, where he goes into what that license was and what it really meant so i I tried to take uh, a little bit of both yeah and kind of yeah to to, to create a narrative a
1: little bit right right right
0: but uh but there are two sides to that story and um, i'm yeah no doubt i wonder Mm -hmm. i wonder what all the truth actually is um there's also uh, Multics, which we didn't really talk about, but also by Bernard Greenberg. Um, there's some uh, traded over ARPANET, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Which was yeah. uh, right one of the early internets back in the day. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of history. I, th- I think like we could have probably done, uh, it would have been a lot of work, but uh, we probably could have done just a full-on hour
1: yeah, at least another 20, 30 minutes, probably, right? At least, right?
0: <laughs> at least. And that's not all the links. I've got, the, under further reading, you'll find just a list yep. of links um, that you can click on and read more about Emacs.
1: I will definitely put those in the show notes. Uh You'll, yes. you'll see them there.
0: But just, it, it's way bigger mm-hmm. than than what we've put together here. But yet, gives you the idea of where G- GNU's Emacs... Came from, mm-hmm. and while it wasn't the only one back in the day, it's
1: kind of really the only popular one left. Yeah, it's it's the one that yeah that 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 is made been is still being maintained. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And so still, that, as you it, saw, it,
0: Emacs twenty eight dot one came out in April. Yeah, and it, they're still adding feature emoji support. Well, and still it,
1: doing uh, you know updates. So just came you know a few days ago. Uh, yeah. even and still doing maintenance releases and stuff exactly. too. So.
0: As we're recording, mm-hmm. eight days ago they came out right. with the maintenance release to fix some bugs. So that's pretty cool. It is it is still under active development and active maintenance. Um but from the rubble,
1: right? Yep. It can only be one. And, and, and so I, I want to take this a, a step further. I didn't put this in the show notes or in the document. Um but I said I was gonna give my hot take. Oh,
0: it, this is it! Oh, I promised everybody this. This and, is here. And it so
1: is. Leo, Leo called me out on this. He's gonna. He said, I, "I." But here's where we're at. It is probably one of the most full featured um, programs that are available, and I don't mean just like text editors. I mean full featured as far as people turn this into an entire desktop operating. System and yeah, just, I was just, gonna say just live in Emacs all the time. Yeah, because it has a web browser, a web browser mode. It's got uh, you know an IRC client. It's got uh, I don't know. It has all these extensions and stuff beyond just editing text and living in that land. Um, wait,
0: wait, wait. So it's got a bunch of macros. macros.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's all these things that are written to extend it. It's probably one of the most extendable. Uh, applications that I think exists, and so and,
0: and we have Tico to think for that. It was yeah. originally
1: created to yep. be extensible, extensible, and they deliver on it. Okay, so I don't want to shortchange that in the least. But here's the problem: Dan doesn't grok Emacs. Okay, <laughs> I I love. I love it, I but I hate it, too. So, I mean, oh. uh, we talked about this in the pre-pre-pre-show, uh, yeah. where if you, like, people knock on Vim and trying to quit Vim or VI, I think this is worse, because yeah. they show you in, in the menu how you can quit, and so, like, Control-X, or, con- yeah, Control-X, Control-C mm-hmm. quits, right? Well... At first, Dan's like, hey, is that either, you know? And so I'm like mashing the control right. X over and over and over again, trying to get the thing to quit. No, that's a control X and then a control yeah. C to quit. Control
0: X comma control, control C, C. Yeah. And then like it immediately quits. And it uh, like for me, and it kind of like, surprised
1: me. Oh, the light bulb came on, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. And just that that's the thing about Emacs.: It's my
1: own shortcoming, but I did some research and I figured it out. So I mean I y- yeah. there
0: there are two ways to get good at Emacs: having started it back in the eighties, mm-hmm. or spending and I, i'm I'm not joking, spending a full-on couple of months trying to use it as many days as possible, like if you could yeah. use Emacs a few minutes a day. A couple of months from now, it's
1: not an overnight transition, folks. New. That's that's the other thing I want to say. It is great, and you can learn it. And I did. I learned some stuff. Um, but a week or two is not enough time. Not enough yeah. time.
0: If if you can use a keyboard, mm-hmm. and and you can see using a keyboard to get the job done, Emacs yeah. will do that job. No, oh, for sure. Whatever the job is, if if it requires typing emacs can do it Uh, dan said it's got a browser in there i know i mean (laughs) i I was looking into extending emacs Mm -hmm. to do markdown Mm -hmm. and i mean i admit i tried and failed to write all of this history and notes and get the show together in emacs but not because emacs is bad but because i am not yeah, uh, I, I think it's I think it's because I started in Vi and I've used Vi yep. for over a decade yep. now.
1: Same, same, same here. Uh, absolutely the same.
0: So in in Vi you can hit Escape and then type a couple of letters, which mean commands. Yep. And then hit Enter, and that will execute the commands. In Emacs it's slightly different, whereas right. you you use modifier keys, Control or Alt, mm-hmm. mix that with a letter, and usually it's two in sequence right. so as, as dan said right. just to quit control x then control c right. will trigger a quit um and most things are like that control right. something alt something or alt something and control something or control control so the the hard part about emacs is remembering what all of those are Th- that that's a hard part about vi yep. too it is you get something in Emacs that you don't get with Vi, and I think it's been one of the longest running memes of Emacs, and that's Emacs pinky. Mm-hmm. It is a a yeah, the physical roll, yes, and
1: shift. It's a physical ailment. Yeah, like all of those, they make you contort your hand. That's yes. the other problem I had, right? Because it relies yeah. a lot on the pinky, and I'll be honest, those are not, that's very clearly not the strongest member of my hand
0: <laughs> yeah and, and if and if you've got small hands ooh, ooh
1: I don't you're gonna small need some hands, help but you know they're not they're not they're not really huge either so yeah, you know. i've got
0: i've got cool like lanky piano fingers so you know yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that but um from playing games and then using emacs lately it it is kind not flared up It it's, it's not been a lot of pain but I know that if I were to continue using Emacs oh, a whole yeah, lot like an and RLS, using a lot, yeah. mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's going to come back. I guarantee mm-hmm. it that that it's just going to start hurting right along that side of my hand, and it's not going to be fun. Um, so Emacs Pinky is real. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, The answer is to set up macros for Emacs on, you know, those Logitech keyboards, they have like keys oh, yeah, on yeah. the side there, yeah, like yeah. that are just dedicated to macros. That's what you need. You need specific dedicated keys. Yeah. And if you look at some of the pictures that come from the history that are in the list, click on them, then you'll see, uh, I forgot the name of the keyboard, but there's there was a specific keyboard thing had like an extra 20 keys on it. <laughs> and that's what Emacs was originally programmed on. Makes and, sense, honestly. Right? And, And so not that you didn't use those modifier keys, just that there were, there were more keys to play with that, that did more things. So, man, but what a, what a, what a crazy, interesting, not VI journey
1: this was. Yeah. So it's not for me, at least not where I'm at right now in my learning. Right. Um, Two months
0: more. You need two more months. And then your pinky will hurt, but then maybe you'll be good at Emacs.
1: I I don't think it's terrible. So VI, Vim, still get the win for me.
0: Okay. Personally, if I had to pick between VI and Emacs, I would choose VI, but only because I'm just more familiar with it. Had I started out with Emacs, 100%, I'd uh, I'd be an adherent to the church of Emacs, a hundred percent. I am halfway there. Look at th- I'm yeah, I am wearing the garb. I know
1: you are wearing the shirt.
0: I am already a member of something. I don't know. By the way, when you buy FSF stuff, I didn't know this. Um, they send you stickers and stuff too. Oh, nice, like, nice, very nice. I got me a gnu and got I got me an FSF. Yeah, I've been waiting for the stuffed baby gnu to come back in stock. I am going to buy that too because that guy is just he's yeah cute. that that, that and, is cool yeah and. As memey as it is, like not meme me, but like meme <laughs> with a Y on it, right? right. Like meme as it is, um, GNU, Core Utils, and everything surrounding it really does, not in Alpine, play a big part in everything that we do. Everything in the distro that I'm gonna take a wild guess that you, listener, are running yeah. is compiled with. The GNU C compiler, yeah, GCC. probably. Yeah, Mo- what most some are. version or another.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, li- looking at looking at Void and Alpine, you're probably yeah, not. But like, I, I was going to say, that, like that might be it, right?
0: If you went Void and specifically made Chose. the choice, yeah. to go muscle instead of glibc, GCC, then okay, I'm not talking to you, but everybody else, <laughs>
1: yeah, everybody else,
0: we're using GCC. Well, the software that we're using, yeah,
1: is been compiled there.
0: Yes, was thrown through GCC yeah. to give us the binaries that we use every single day.
1: That's true. So, that's true. You don't have to, but yeah, it's definitely probably the most popular.
0: Let me interject for a moment.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right.
0: As meme as it is, it is kind of true. So, meh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I threw him a few bucks. I got me a shirt. I had to. I had to. That's, I that's had to. It's important.
1: All right, next in the show, everybody's favorite, the Browser Watch.
0: Uh, not just Mozilla.
1: Not just Mozilla this time, but first up, we are going to talk about Mozilla. And uh, Linux users can enjoy a performance boost with the latest Firefox release.
0: especially if you're on in low memory situations eight gigs and below this is for you this is
1: this is for you so firefox 105 will make sure that you do not run out of memory when your system is running low on available resources so that's that's in the latest update but here's the but the the two Uh. the two finger swipe that was supposed to be available to navigate forward and backwards it it didn't make the cut again. I mean this I will is say, it's just like we, two times in a row now and We've been waiting mm, since the
0: beginning of the season. We we started the I season know. talking about Firefox one oh three and it was supposed to land, didn't land. Firefox one oh four, a couple episodes ago, supposed to land, didn't, didn't land. land. Firefox one oh five didn't nope.
1: land. Yep, That's nope. nope. And so that didn't make it. Um, That doesn't upset Leo, but it does upset some people out there. So, yeah.
0: I hate it. I use a Mac for work and it does that. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I absolutely hate it because I do a lot of horizontal scrolling.
1: Well, you can do that with the and alt, if, right?
0: And then and then if you do it like too hard, it's like, oh, we just changed your page. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you lost my place.
1: Mm, right, right, right. Annoying. Yeah. So I think holding down alt does that for you if I'm not wrong.
0: And that's cool. And I will do that all day. Right. I will. Yes.
1: But that's a, so not that, is, that is cool. Mm. There's probably a way to change it, but anyway. I will. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> also of interest, though, this is interesting. The print f- preview dialogue has the option to print only the current page right from the print preview dialogue, which is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah, totally cool.
0: I get I get receipts sometimes, and I just, like, the thing is like eight pages long. Like, dude, I don't need your ad. So oh, if I so want CVS. just CVS. You've been to CVS? Oh, that's, that's like that's that problem, but in real life, I know. And you're like, um, uh,
1: that's why is it a mile long? I don't know. Uh, in addition to those great features, you can always get the security fixes bundled into. You can read more at the release notes, and I'll have a link to that.
0: So we called it Browser Watch because we're talking a little bit about Edge
1: mm-hmm. and a little
0: bit about Microsoft Teams.
1: Right, oh, we'll get to
0: Edge. So Microsoft Teams is going away. Fedora
1: well, for Linux. had a bit of for a- Linux. Right. Yeah.
0: For, for <laughs> Linux. Fedora had a bit of a tussle with Microsoft a few months ago with a, you know, why do you support this platform but not Fedora? What can we do? And Microsoft just said,
1: nah. Forget about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. We're, we're just not doing that. Which will no doubt, no doubt, it will work best. In ye old Microsoft Edge. Of course it will. Because <laughs> why wouldn't it? <laughs> and that leads me to ask, how else are they going to get you the malware infested ads baked right into the browser?
1: Eek, mm, yeah, Bleeping
0: Computer did a, did a one on this um, where mm. the ads that you get, like when you open up Microsoft Edge, Yeah, And you you see, you know, a couple of ads, but you also see some interesting articles. Firefox does this, right? But also you can turn off the ads in Firefox if you so Mm -hmm. choose. These ads in Edge have been leading people to...
1: malware Malware? yeah right you can turn it off in edge as well like you can you can set up edge to be very firefox like or like you know vivaldi where you have a start page there's different options there
0: oh that's true that's actually one of the very first questions it asks but if
1: you if you go with the default that's where you're gonna be is with the ads and they're gonna be in your face and you're gonna be clicking on the malware stuff and yes. as of now,
0: I'm sure they've cleaned it up. I'm sure all of the <laughs> all of the bad players in the arena have been removed. Yeah. But there were some bad players in the arena, and mm-hmm. I suspect somebody got bit by that.
1: I feel like but- it's a game of whack-a-mole, though, and you're probably never going to keep up with that
0: just maybe stop having ads in the browser maybe maybe
1: well there is a good just idea just
0: maybe <laughs> that could be a solution i don't you know i'm no That's i'm crazy. no security crazy it's
1: crazy leo but i think they it's a good idea they don't
0: pay me for my opinion no, but I uh i mean i i'll give you that one for free you mm-hmm. can just have that one
1: so huh. back to the teams thing um um uh, maybe they're abandoning the applications because Microsoft Teams itself um doesn't do great. It, it stores authentication tokens in clear text in Windows, Linux, and on Mac. All three. That's, all three of them. That's strike 2. That's a that's a double double strike whammy. Two. Yeah. And and mm. I you know the list goes on, right? So Turning it into a progressive web app probably is really a smart idea on Microsoft's part because then they've only got one code base to to maintain and everybody's got the same thing and it's consistent across, it's consistently bad, across all of the platforms. It's so fine. That, it's, it's, it's all fine. <laughs> so I'm taking shots, but Edge is okay. It's mostly
0: fine. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, fully opposed to it, but I, I did, we had a conversation in telegram, uh, maybe a week or two ago. Um, I miss, if I had to have edge, I miss old edge, the mm-hmm. original. The old edge.
1: Yeah. Right before, like, before they discontinued it. Right before
0: Microsoft, that. uh, engine, mm-hmm. like it's not Chromium was old it? edge. Mm-hmm. I miss that edge. I don't miss internet explorer at all. No,
1: no, no. That was but terrible. I miss,
0: I miss old edge. It was faster
1: it was fast
0: than current edge current edge is fast don't get me wrong it's not bad but old edge was it had some secret sauce in it and ooh, i would take that edge any day
1: over chromium edge i will say that yeah so i don't know i'm gonna stick to firefox and vivaldi thanks hey all right now you're my language <laughs> you can catch these great topics as they unfold on our subreddit or our news channel on Discord, uh dot show slash Reddit for our subreddit and LinuxUserSpace dot show slash Discord for our Discord. And you know, slash Telegram slash Matrix slash whatever, and you'll find us there too. All right, uh, Leo sent out a tweet today. Today he did. And if you're not following, you should follow us on LinuxUserSpace. Dot show slash Twitter um, where you can catch all of our tweets. Um, So the tweet he sent out today was promoting a fundraiser that is now live for Caden live. Um, We rely heavily on Caden live for this show. So we want to make sure to advocate for this wonderful software that it is.
0: Yeah. Just to give you the like 20% audacity, 80% Caden live. Mm -hmm. So heavily.
1: Yeah. Heavily. Everything that you see on YouTube has been through there at least once. <laughs> so, um, you know, giving this great little software a little financial boost uh would go a long way to making it better, yep, so for the record here, in their announcement, for the record, on the cards for the upcoming releases are nested timelines, a new effects panel, and improving overall performance of Caden Live, making it faster, more responsive, and even more fun to work with. So. I,
0: I will not say no to a more responsive and mm-hmm. performant Caden life. Absolutely not. Give no. me more of that.
1: And and I think the nested timelines and effects panel sound interesting to me. I think uh I think those'll be yeah, I don't know, I think that'll be nice.
0: They had a they had a new maintenance release. I think uh, that will make the the downloading of new effects, which was a little sketchy when they mm-hmm. first, first put it out. out. Yep. Like it crashed Caden Live a couple of times. So, <laughs> um, uh yeah, that that. But uh, it, it really kind
1: of full featured editor that rivals probably some of the professional software that's out there on other platforms too so
0: i mean as as gimp is to photoshop Caden live <laughs> is
1: to uh,
0: davinci davinci I mean, maybe uh, it's not
1: quite but it, yeah davinci does a lot too you, but. you
0: gotta remember uh multi-million dollar companies right free software
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. so it's it's one of the best out there, really it is. Um and especially considering it is up against those big names. Anyway, if you want to help too, you can head on over to the donation page and I'll have a link to that in the show notes.
0: It's time for the feedback. We got a little bit of this and we we like to keep it all into a nice neat little pile and shove it into these topic shows. So um not that we're running long, but um we're running long. We're running long. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark on YouTube. Uh, I just had to put this in there because I I wanted to be uh egregiously obvious in that I wanted to promote my shirt. Uh mm-hmm. he mentioned uh nice green day shirt. This is two episodes ago. I had a green day shirt on, and then he followed up with actually nice Nintendo shirt too. Yeah. Nice shirts all around. And that was uh yeah, yeah. the Nintendo so. he had I had Dan, a Nintendo had...
1: shirt, yep, and uh, I got a new one on today. So I got, uh, you yeah. know, this is dad, what are Linux clouds made of, and uh, mostly Linux servers, son. It's very true.
0: <laughs> we had an email from uh, Larry, and he says, Hey, guys, I've got a question for you. I searched the web several times and found everything but what I want. I have three SSDs with Linux installed, one with Mint Mate 193 one with Mint monte 21 and one with MX21.2. I also have two internal drives and two external drives that I use for backup. I store everything in folders. I use custom icons on the folders that I use the most. Each of the OS's has two folders in my home folder with all the icons I use. I can do it manually, but is there a better way to do this? I admit that I usually only have to do this after a reinstall. I run all LTSs. I would appreciate any help you can give. I thank you for all you two do on the show, and I never miss one. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks
1: for listening, Larry. Um, Larry, I think what you have there is a conundrum. So, anyway, seriously though, I think um, there's a couple of different ways I can think of, you know, going at this. Um, I'm not sure what's the best because you've got a couple of different um desktop environments and then you've got a couple of different LTS versions even though they're LTSs um with mint mate 19 and mint mate 21 you're going to be kind of spanning two different ubuntu LTSs with those so yeah it's a bit of an issue you you may have some incompatibility th- things as far as where the configuration files for for like storing all of that stuff are especially between XFCE and Mate um there're going to be different dot files or configuration files that that kind of control that stuff um but I will say that potentially carving out a space on, you know, one of those drives, um, maybe one of the ones that you use for backup, um, as we'll call it a shared space between all three of those systems, um, at least to get your icons on there. And then you can mount that, um, on any of those, well, all of them, if you mount that on all of them, at least you'll have your icons available to you, and then you can possibly just select them from there. I yeah. think that might be the easiest, and then I suppose if you want to get really fancy, you might be able to set up some scripting to do that, but right. that's getting kind of advanced.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of is, but um, I, I can't really see much of a better way to to handle it than what you have described. But I will ask if you listening to the show yeah, yeah. know well, a better way to handle it or you are in this situation yourself uh and, and have a process that you deal with, uh let us know. Because then we'll let Larry know. Right. And um maybe we can get ourselves a little bit of a collaborative project going on. Yeah, be you kind know, of
1: cool. you, can, you can post something in Discord or Telegram or you know, even Matrix in, in one of those places. And
0: Dan never forgets a plug. I love
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Anyway, um, I that's the best solution I can come up with. But, you know, these are problems that, uh, you know, us distro hoppers have, I guess. So Let's let's unite and try to get through it.
0: That's it. Distro hoppers unite. Let's fix this problem.
1: All right. And one last email from Biku.
0: Loving the fresh new season and the editor series is a wonderful addition to the show. Hey, just finished Thanks. another one up. <laughs> Leo asked whether one can stick an Arch sticker on one's computer if one is running Endeavor OS. My take on this is that sticking, I run Arch, by the way, on one's computer will be depriving the developers of Endeavor OS from credit and recognition that truly deserve, that they truly deserve for their hard work and efforts. That's, hmm. that's not that's... an angle. I thought about when I asked that question. Very good angle. But uh, I like it. You're yeah, right. I like it too. You're absolutely right. I need to get an Endeavor OS sticker because I'm running Endeavor OS, not because yeah. I need to say I run Arch. Ah, very good. Uh, and an interesting new Firefox technology that many listeners will find yeah. useful. And I agree. Mm-hmm. It's called Neural Machine Translation Engine, and it allows the translation to be done locally on the client side in the user's computer without requiring any cloud-based back end. Google. Translation with privacy. I like it. Yes. He, uh, we've got a link. He sent us a link to the Neural Machine Translation Engine for Firefox. Uh, it's an add-on, all local. I, I love it. I love it. Go get that Add on and use it for translation all the time. I need translation, and I'm I I always end up, you know, exasperated sigh. (sighs) Translate.google.com. Fine, Mm -hmm. this is gonna fix me. And uh, I'll okay. So here's what I'm gonna do: use it for the next uh, at least two to four weeks, and then I will come back and let you know how well it fared and if it can just get the job done. And if it does, subscriber to that. Add-on for life, right there.
1: So, this is one of the things that I love about Mozilla and Firefox, right there.
0: Yes! Yes! Privacy respecting solutions to all of the internet's problems. I like it.
1: And I only know one language, and it's not all that well, so the translations uh, are really key for me. Good call.
0: He finishes up, you guys will for sure feature Nano Editor sometime during the season, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, (laughs) fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we will. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the next one, but it will be 1-1. One, one, um,
1: yeah, I think I, I'm going to make you? the call right now, Leo. You the next time we do one of these editor shows, I think we should do Nano.
0: Okay. Okay. You got it. There it is. From uh, from Dan's mouth to your ears. Nano next. Uh, it has many useful features. Uh, oh, wait, wait. GNU Nano Editor should be the default editor on every distro In my personal opinion, it has many useful features, but they are disabled by default. But with a little configuration tweak, Nano can be turned into a bit more visually appealing and functional editor with familiar keyboard shortcuts. Already control S saves. So I'm Mm -hmm. already happy. That's great. Uh, And then he finishes up with a PS. I was a bit unsure of the theme music change, but the new one has slowly grown on me. All right. Yeah, I was I was kind of worried about the music.
1: Uh, at the beginning of the season,
0: but nobody bit my head off for it. Uh, No, no, I think people
1: are either growing on it or liked it from the get-go, so that's cool.
0: (laughs) We didn't see a huge dip in numbers, so (laughs) I uh, I guess...
1: I really like it, but you know, um, I felt a little hasty going into it, but um, I really like it a lot. So
0: Yeah, more freedom. I like more freedom.
1: Also, just so you know, I'll have a link to uh, Miku's uh, GitHub page where he's got the configuration for Nano.
0: Ooh, unleash the true power of Nano.
1: All right. Uh, first of our focus sessions.
0: Focus.
1: Um, this is community focus. Where we try to focus on something in the community. Anyway, we did a whole episode on Emacs in the history. I want you to go check this out this is system crafters youtube channel there are a pile of emacs videos holy Whoa. cow i've never seen like so what focused he, what
0: he said in the, he said in the beginner one he said mm-hmm. like 50? Yeah, 50 yeah there's a something? lot i
1: i i lost count i i really did and it is Whoa. immersive if you want to immerse yourself in emacs and really learn it I think going here and watching these videos is probably the best way. Yep. Start off with the absolute beginner's guide. It's slightly longer than an hour, kind of like one of our episodes. Eh, yeah. Um, but, if, if, you um,
0: can, if you can trudge through one of these episodes, you can make it through, make it through an Emacs it, episode. It, it's,
1: <laughs> it, 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 it's honestly very well done. Um, I like it a lot. I think all the other episodes are really done. Well done. Um, there's some other GNU topics and, and he talks about, uh, geeks, which is a Linux distribution that kind of focuses. I always
0: thought it was GUIX, but It's, it's not. It's geeks. It's
1: geeks. Yes. And so he focuses on that and, you know, GNU. So there's some really good topics there and some good, good, uh, episodes so i will
0: geeks make it onto linux user space tune in next time
1: i don't know if it'll be next show but no it definitely won't be next show okay no 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 tune uh, in
0: next time for the announcement oh that we're not doing geeks but we might
1: did we might very well at some point in time absolutely i think it's one of the ones we'll probably get to eventually
0: look if you like nix os Mm mm-hmm this is the full-on free software (FSF) version of it, yeah, so it, is, it is a it's it's a package manager in and of itself, but it's also an operating system, operating. just mm-hmm. like Nix and NixOS.
1: <gasps> mm. anyway interesting! Go check out System Crafters. Holy cow! Immerse yourself in Emacs. Uh, you know, yeah, it, it's it's I've, I've it's never intense. seen another one. The
0: Absolute Beginner's Guide to Emacs. Uh I watched it. Emacs is hard. I will probably go through it again. <laughs> it was I, it was extremely helpful. It was
1: extremely yeah. helpful. Yeah. I don't well I done. don't
0: want to give up, but um but yeah, it's it's I'm I'm VI. So mm-hmm. I gotta I gotta take off the VI hat and put on the Emacs hat and just
1: start again. So he's one of those people that actually lives in Emacs all the time.
0: Yeah. The the browser kind of everything. Everything Emacs is an OS kind of yes. Yeah. So the, if you the, wanna
1: learn the file manager, dear Ed. That, yeah, yep. he's like living in that.
0: This is the one. Second focus. Time yeah. to focus again. More and today. I don't know how we did it. I, I keep a- Yes. So we started with a GNU type history. We got to end with a GNU type app. And Dan, I, I asked you before the show, I still don't understand how we haven't done.
1: I don't know. I have no idea. The
0: GNU Image Manipulation Program. How have we not done GIMP?
1: I'm really not sure. I don't. I don't know. I I I don't do much artwork, and I use it. So there I, you go.
0: Right. Uh. So here's the thing. Right. Like. So we were we were just Hawking Caden live. Right. Like, go mm-hmm. give them some money. Uh. You should also give the GIMP folks some money too. The reason that is is every thumbnail you have ever seen. On this show, on YouTube or in LinusPages yeah, show, yeah, came straight out of GIMP. So yes, they are absolutely fantastic. I think the the biggest complaint about GIMP is that it is not exactly Photoshop.
1: Yeah, that, no, it's definitely not. It's it's um, it okay. So it does do destructive editing. They call it yeah. Um, Whereas Photoshop, you know, lets you roll roll back the clock, if you will. Um, although they're making a, they're making improvements on that. So I mean, you've got a
0: pretty big history in those mm-hmm. XCF files there. Yeah, uh, it's the I'm, layering,
1: I'm, like some the the layering is not the same style. It's okay if you don't do a lot of image manipulation stuff. You're gonna be just fine. Just just yeah. GIMP is gonna get you through. Um, you. You don't need to purchase the thousands of dollars of Adobe stuff Ooh. to be able to do this.
0: Okay. No, you can't even say that, Dan, because you can't even purchase anything. You can yeah, you don't subscribe <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and pay at least ten dollars a month to get <sighs> one Adobe product and then you can add on ten dollars a month until you hit what is it, like forty nine ninety nine for the whole bundle if you're not a student. Like
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
0: It's a lot of money.
1: Very much.
0: For one month of an Adobe subscription, you could help fund the GNU Image Manipulation Program, GIMP, and help them get new features to GIMP faster. Yeah. But I will say – so, I mean, the the way that I use it is, I mean, obviously for the thumbnails – I will mm-hmm. create a base thumbnail that I will reuse and reuse and reuse. I will, uh, for each episode, I add in tons of things and then remove out what I don't want. Issue this thumbnail for that single or this thumbnail for that episode. And, I mean, I crank out like what? Like five or eight? Yeah, at least. Uh, well, depending a cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and a cycle to me is two episodes. So, one distro uh, cycle, which is a month. So I mean, we're looking at like you know anywhere between four and eight thumbnails, mm-hmm. all from the same XCF. I don't have one thumbnail for no. one episode, one thumbnail for. I have it's all in the same XCF, and I will just all of the Manipulate assets it. go on yeah. in there, and yeah, and then move around, do a little magic wand here, throw throw some extra stuff in there. Um, it's pretty good. It is, is it Photoshop?
1: Good. No, no, but, you know, but it gets it rough. doesn't,
0: I don't think it needs to be. Yes, no. if you are a professional that works with other professionals that also work with Photoshop, then, yeah, you'll probably need to buy Photoshop. I get it. You can't get around that. That's not what, I'm not hawking that to you. Right. But to those that are working alone or maybe with one other person that may be able to bend and use GIMP as well, it's pretty fully functional. It gets a lot of the jobs that I've ever needed done.
1: Yeah. So for me, like converting files from one format to another. Oh, that's, oh, yeah. you know, like compressing things and just like basic cropping. You want to cut out, you know, parts of a thing.
0: Magic wand tool. Bow,
1: done. It, oh, it's got a lot of that stuff that's really awesome. And, uh, uh, well. Way back when I used to do everything kind of in OBS and we recorded here and oh, the OBS yeah. made it to the thing like the border that went around stuff that I I made that in GIMP uh, yeah just, yeah and so like I put the text and stuff on there and then I kind of like feathered the edges in and
0: you know oh, there's a yeah. lot of there's a, there's a lot of things
1: you can do with it right so um yeah if you're just a creator like us it's it's a it's a fantastic tool
0: yep. Yeah, throw them a fiver every now and then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just use GIMP. If you can get away with it, yeah.
1: Why yeah, absolutely. Not
0: use free software. And works pretty well because, you know, it's a GNU episode.
1: So why mm-hmm. not? Well, and it's it's cross platform too, just so you know. Yes.
0: Oh, it works in Windows. It works in mm-hmm. Windows. But uh, I don't know about the M1s,
1: but it does work oh, in Mac as yeah, well. It must definitely work in, in the Macs. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, that that's one of the coolest things about it is that I do have to use Windows and Mac from time to time and having yeah. familiar tools on those platforms is fantastic. Caden live. Mm-hmm. Uh, same deal. Same deal. So support free software. You know, do your yeah. free software duty. Throw them a fiver if you can.
1: All right. That uh, brings us to the end here and uh, next time. So next time, you can find us doing the history of Alpine Linux. If you've been following along, hopefully that's been going well for you.
0: I hope. It's the it's the opposite of a GNU episode because they've ripped mm. all the GNU out yeah. and replaced it with muscle. Yep. So, you know, some things like can't just pull down a, you know, regular old binary and double click it and hope it works. It won't.
1: Probably not. But no.
0: But there are ways around it. Hopefully you've found them. If you haven't, let us know. And yeah. we can probably get you going.
1: Yeah, because the documentation isn't this is, is pretty good. Um there's some community stuff in the wiki. Um to help you along with the desktop environments. Uh we did a fail on on a live stream and that, that didn't go so well, but we figured out the errors in our ways, and um, but that's okay. That's how you learn, by us failing.
0: <laughs> what I didn't try was not using Wayland in boxes. How mm. could I have not seen that coming? Because you know what happened on my laptop that same night after I installed Alpine? hmm The Wayland session didn't work. You know what I did to fix it? Move to X. And you know what it did? Worked ah. just fine.
1: Well, that makes sense now, huh?
0: Yeah. I don't know why that didn't occur to me in that live stream, but but also, I mean, there are a few of you that were
1: watching. There were other people in the live stream. Yeah, nobody else came with that. Mm, I so, did, you know, I, so, I don't feel like, too right bad. So, right after the live stream, actually, I was starting the process during the live stream. Mm-hmm. I created a, a, a virtual machine in... You said uh, this, Quick, yep. ...Quick Emu, which is another uh, application that we promoted not too long ago. Yep. Um, Quick Emu... It worked fine. Yep. So it of was totally it a boxes thing and the way yeah. it handles the graphics driver and well, our whoopsie doodle, you learn.
0: Yeah, you live and you learn, and then you run Alpine on X. That's mm-hmm.
1: but <laughs> that I will say the answer. I got it on my laptop and Me too. I'm I'm running it in Wayland, I'm running plasma Wayland and getting, you know, all the experience. It's working. Mm-hmm. So we'll give you a few thoughts and whatever else we can cram into the show next time. So in between shows, you can catch us on Twitter, Mastodon. Hey, Mastodon, I I, <gasps> I realized we didn't have a redirect for that. So I fixed that problem. So hey. Linuxuserspace.show slash Mastodon will get you there. Um, But we also got Telegram, Matrix, Discord, whatever. Uh, give us our suggestions on the subreddit and you can join the conversation and talk to us. All the links in the show notes on Linux Dot show. So, Leo, where can we find you? I killed Giko,
0: but you can find me with my nose in this book. Uh, this is the uh, GNU Emacs manual. Uh, yeah, uh, this one's for the thirteenth edition from nineteen ninety-seven. But surely, surely, it's got uh, good
1: information in it, right? I mean, anyway, don't you can find think me. Think it's that much different.
0: I, well, you can find me on Twitter at. Leo Chavez and on Mastodon at Leo Chavez at Mastodon.social
1: Alright, and you can find me at kc 2 on Twitter and at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.technology See you in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space.
0: I think I've, I think Mint has stolen a key binding that is a Emacs key binding because oh, that I doesn't cannot... help
1: anything either. Yeah, that is a problem that I think is common.
0: Yeah, because it's backtick, right? Like to activate menu bar, it's Meta, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that's a backtick. It could be. And and i i for some, you know, I wanted maximum punishment,
1: so mm-hmm. I was like,
0: well, we're gonna do this in the command line. Like if we we did vi in the command line,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: There there is a GUI vi, but no, no, why would I do that? So I did Emacs in the vi uh, in the in the in the the command line, and I cannot activate the menu bar. I've not ever been able to because in Mint, like Alt Tab comes up, like. It's it's the it's the desktop because it brings up what looks like the alt tab bar, but it's only the active window. So I think Mm. alt uh, backtick is meant in Cinnamon to let you toggle between instances of the same program instead of all programs
1: open. Yeah, I got you. Multiple windows. Let me see. Oh no 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 no. Watch watch. Let
0: me open up a new terminal. Yeah yeah that's what it does. Yep. That just just the term. Okay, well, that's smart on Cinnamon's part, but bad if you use Emacs, because then you got to find another something. Yeah, no kidding. And there's nothing. Uh, uh, I wouldn't even know where to start to redefine Emacs key bindings.